0: Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known to the nations or our ministry in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today we're going to continue a consideration of the first 16 verses of 1 Kings chapter 18. There, the prophet Elijah has been sent out by God to find King Ahab and let him know that three years of drought that Elijah has declared on Israel is about to come to an end. Elijah doesn't meet Ahab first, but Ahab's household administrator Obadiah. And Obadiah shares with Elijah his own fear of God and the account of his heroic rescue of 100 prophets of God from the murderous intent of Ahab. Now, Elijah could have gone directly to Ahab, as Obadiah doesn't change the nature of the story before us. But God brought Obadiah into the story because God had noted the faithfulness of this man and wanted us to note it as well. Our first point from the last broadcast, which will continue today, is that Obadiah teaches us that it is possible to live for God in a morally dark time. It's possible to live in a world filled with liars and not lie. And still, God will keep you and watch over you. And Obadiah lived in such a situation as this. He's an example to us that teaches us that in the worst of times, we may live adventurous lives to the glory of God. If you don't learn this from Obadiah, just open up your Bible and study the life of Joseph. Study the life of Esther. Look at the life of Daniel or Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Look at how God preserved Jeremiah as the nation of Judah is falling further and further in decay and sin and see that in the middle of all these things, you can be faithful to God. Here's something God will not hear from you. Everybody's doing it. I have no option. It's not true. It's not true. Here's the second thing I want you to note. I want you to note the place in which he served. He served in the court of Ahab and Jezebel, of all places, in the house of a couple of the Bible's greatest blasphemers and most evil persons, being surrounded by godless men day in and day out, must have tried his spirit. But more than trying it, more than just having to face the presence of godless people, Obadiah had to face godless people of great wealth and great power. You ever feel like you're being worn down? Because you're in a location, in a place where you're surrounded by people and all the people around you, all those who equally share a part in society with you seem to be corrupt and dishonest and untrue. Or high school students feel this sometimes at high school. How is it that I can maintain my witness my life when so many of my friends in the conversation that go in the hallway and it's so bad. But imagine now that you're in such a situation but it's all the people of power, tremendous power around you. And tremendous wealth, and the individuals who are influencing everything, and you're in that setting. That's the setting Obadiah was in. Elijah came into the court of Ahab and pronounced, remember, he pronounced judgment on the land, and as soon as he pronounced judgment on the land, what did Elijah do? He left. God took him out of the situation and he hit him at Brook Cherith. And then God took him from Brook Cherith and he hit him with the widow of Zarephath. Elijah confronted Ahab, but as soon as the confrontation was over with, Elijah departed and he got out of the place. I don't think Elijah wanted to be at the central ground of where God's judgment was going to fall. But he feared God and he feared God in such a way that he did not want to stay in the place where judgment was hanging so heavily over the activities that were taking place in Ahab's court. But Obadiah stayed in that same place. He remained in the very place where judgment was going to fall. We have to ask the question, why? Why did Obadiah stay in that place? Well, it wasn't because he found the atmosphere enjoyable and pleasant. He didn't enjoy the carnival atmosphere of evil that surrounded him day in and day out. He wasn't intoxicated by the power in that place either. He didn't find enjoyable all the accoutrements of wealth. Actually, you know, the truth is that many professors of Christ stay in compromised places and with morally compromised people just for those reasons. They like the lifestyle of those who dismiss God from their lives even as they pretend not to condone it. It's enjoyable. It's exciting to them. It's comforting and easy for them. But that wasn't the case with Obadiah. He didn't like it. It grieved him. Elijah left because he feared the Lord. Obadiah stayed for the same reason. Because he feared God. He feared the Lord and he sought to serve the Lord in his country. He feared the Lord and he remained behind to be used of God in the place of judgment. There are a number of us who, because we fear God and we want to honor Him, remove ourselves, rightfully so, from activities and from places of irreverence. But there are others who fear God just as equally and because God calls them, they stay in that very place. Here's an example for you. It's a surprising example to you. It's not one that we would conclude by reading the biblical account in Genesis, but Lot is an example of us for this. Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah, one of the most evil places that we can think of we oftentimes conclude that lot got there because of a series of compromises that brought him to that place that lot had a diminished righteousness and was uncommitted to living a righteous life before god but that's actually not what we read when it's explained to us by peter and second peter let me read to you second peter chapter 2 verses 7 and 8 and it explains to us lot's attitude while he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. There it says, God delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul. He vexed his own righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing of their lawless deeds. In other words, Lot was not okay with what was going on. He wasn't there because, you know, this is an easy place to live and enjoyable. And I like the markets. They've got a lot of provisions for us. My wife likes the shops that are here. And that might be why his wife wanted to be there, but not why Lot was there. No, Lot is in this place. And while he's in this place, he's righteously in this place. And he's in this place, oppressed by it. And he's in this place, vexing his own soul. But he won't let himself become okay with this. He won't let himself become used to it. So why is Lot there? When Abraham was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham received from God a promise that he would rescue and he would preserve his judgment or withhold his judgment from Sodom and Gomorrah if there were ten righteous men in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if this is the case, but could it be that God called Lot and nine others to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. To righteously live there, oppressed by the sin, vexed by it. but interceding and being a presence, a preserving presence in that place. And that some of those ten didn't answer and didn't respond. We don't know. But this is what we need to learn from this. We're not to judge why a person stands in one place as opposed to another. But it is fair to ask them this. I'm not even to judge why you might be in one place as opposed to another. The question we're to ask is, do you fear the Lord? Is His honor and His glory what you seek above everything else in the place that you're at? It's right to ask, are you enjoying this place for your own sake and for your own comfort? Or are you vexed by the sin around you but willing to stay, still to stay where God has called you? And here's the lesson. The fear of God and the desire to glorify God should always motivate the servant of God to be where they are. The fear of God and the desire to glorify God should motivate us above everything else to be where we are. Important question to ask yourself as you consider where you've settled and where you're at. Here's one last point, third point. Note the position in which he served. Note the position which Obadiah served. I find it interesting that Ahab has put Obadiah in charge of all the affairs of his household. And what I note from this is that even an evil man gives testimony to the importance of righteous men. He can't get along without them. Ahab knew who Obadiah was. I guarantee you Obadiah knew who Ahab was. Obadiah was before Ahab because he was submissive to God to be in that place. He needed to be obedient to God in that place and before that man. Ahab had Obadiah because even a thief needs an honest accountant. He was relying upon, strategically relying upon, an honest and just man to oversee his household. Now, there's a lesson in all this for us as well. It's illustrated to us that if you live a righteous life, you will be strategic in the society of men before whom you live. God can use us in any place and make us useful to any person if we are there in obedience to Jesus Christ. If you live an obedient life and a surrendered life, your life becomes valuable to your society. You become a necessary component for the health and for things to work in your society. I guarantee you today in Washington, the one thing that's working are the prayers of righteous people in places of power. And that's what God is working through more than anything else. By the way, if this is true, if we become, in a sense, these strategic individuals who are used of God in strategic places simply because we're faithful and true and obedient to Him, if that's true, I have to also tell you that if the Christian lives in disobedience to God and we choose not to pursue His will, instead of becoming strategic in our society, the very ones that society should rely upon and depend upon, instead we become a profound liability. Because if the light that's in it is darkness. How great is that darkness? We're to be light and instead we're living dark lives of compromise. What a destructive influence we are in the world in which we live. And God will take us to account for that. You can... Look to Obadiah as an example of the strategic necessity of righteous men, even in a wicked world. But, you know, if you face that and say, then God, let me be used strategically, you've also got to learn the lesson from someone like Jonah, who defied God's will and fled from where God purposed him. And if you remember, instead of going to where God sent him, jumped on a ship to go to Tarshish to escape God's will and God's purpose. And all of the men on that ship were almost drowned at sea Because God sent a storm upon them because of the sin of Jonah. Jonah wasn't strategic to them. He was a liability to them. You're going to be one or the other based upon whether you're going to live in obedience to Christ and surrender to Him or not. Whether you're going to live for Him and seek to glorify Him and honor Him and your life becomes strategic in its righteousness or you live in disobedience And you live to pursue your own fleshly desires and you quickly become a liability and a danger to those before whom you live. Here's the lesson. God places us to be used and to strategically bless our society as we live in obedience to him. So what do we say to ourselves? Be faithful in your service. It can be done in a sinful world, in a wicked and fallen world. You can be faithful to God you don't have an excuse by saying that all those around you are immoral and not following him and I have no choice and no you can Obadiah did it you can too but it has to be done out of fear of God it has to be fulfilled out of desire above everything else to glorify him when you do that God will use you you'll actually become important to the age and society in which you live and one day God will praise you for the service you rendered him. Let's bow our heads. This has been the Bread of Life. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our work around the world or in your neighborhood, or for a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time, together in God's word, may God bless you.